Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. You can find me on Twitter at Manny underscore Navarro. First episode of the Wide Right Podcast in three weeks. I cannot believe that it's been that long, but I've been a busy guy, man. I was trying to enjoy my last few days of vacation and then this trip to Charlotte for the ACC Media Days. Uh, hit me and I've been working like an animal ever since. NIL has completely changed the game. Players are doing autograph signings. They're available for, for media people like me to attack. So I've been busy driving all over the place. Meanwhile, we have stories about conference realignment. We got the number one quarterback in the country, Quinn uh, Ewers, uh, Ewers, you know, basically saying that he may just enroll early. So there's all kinds of NIL madness, conference realignment madness with Oklahoma and Texas. So many things to talk about. A lot of questions for Hurricanes fans as camp is set to begin August 6th. But today I'm making sure to bring on somebody who's going to allow me to talk. Uh, and that's somewhat, somewhat. That's my buddy here, Carlos Ledo. <laughs> you know him. Uh, he's my, been my co-host before over at Onside Radio, which, by the way, that shut th- that shut down here over the summer. He also has his own podcast. The Who could have predicted that? I mean, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have uh, Carlos who also does the MIA All Day podcast. And so friend of the show. Uh, as I've mentioned before, a lawyer, a guy who I reached out to when this whole mess with Avante Williams happened a couple of weeks ago or a week ago now uh, to ask him some questions. I mean, there's this show is going to be loaded with different topics, Carlos. We should just dive right into it. But first off, what are you thinking? I mean, what's the past month been like for you from a college football perspective? Because we haven't even talked about Alabama yet. We haven't gotten into the opener. Camp starts August 6th. Like there's so many of the things that are around the corner. And yet it feels like we're in the middle of a, of a college football hurricane so yeah and no, no pun intended and uh thanks to our our good buddy kelvin harris sitting this one out we do not have to start and end the show with discussing why the hurricanes are going to go 15 and 0 so we can actually <laughs> get into some other topics um and like like uh, my wife's one of my wife's favorite rock bands it's been a while like stained <laughs> listen man I, I you think you haven't done a podcast in a while i think the last time i did a podcast was in, like in 2015 um <laughs> on my show because i've been so busy too but it's it's been crazy with everything that's been going on with NIL, Avante Williams, and the rec- even recruiting now, things are starting to heat up for the Hurricanes. And it's it's been a lot to take in, and it's exciting, but at the same time, there's a lot of questions out there. I know we discussed before the NIL stuff started really getting rapid about, you know, what does this mean? How are they going to handle this? What are the regulations going to come out of this? Um, and your last podcast actually dealt with a lot of that when you spoke to that uh, that attorney, the former walk-on for the University of Miami, yep. where he said it's basically they're just making it up as they go, and eventually they'll start policing it when they feel it gets out of control and then they'll make the rules up as, as they feel necessary. Um, but as far as, as everything else, man, it's pretty crazy. And it's, it's funny. It's already trickling down to the high school level in terms of what NIL means for these guys and what States are going to take stances that are pro player and what States are going to take stances that are pro high school and pro amateurism and not allow these players to make money. And we'll see with these players. Now you've seen even with like guys like Jake Garcia, if they don't like what's going on in the state with their regulations, They'll pack up and go and play somewhere else. Or in the case of this guy that I'm going to recruit in the country, he'll just pack up and go to college because he's one credit short of graduate. Yeah. Uh, the Quinn Ewers story, I'm going to start there. And I know it's not a Hurricanes related story, but it is a recruiting related story. And we do talk recruiting on here quite a bit. 
but I, I was asked by my editors to jump in our, our Ohio State writers on vacation. So me and Antonio Morales, who covers USC, uh, Antonio was out at the Elite 11 where, where Quinn Ewers and even Miami's uh, quarterback, uh, Jakari Brown, he, he went out to the Elite 11 out there in California. You know, the, the infamous quarterback camp that they have every year where, you know, NFL guys come back and they interact with guys that, that were there previously and, and juniors and seniors, all the best quarterbacks in the country. So this Quinn Ewers guy was there. And so they asked me to, to, to reach out to Brian Stumpf, who, who is the president of the Elite 11. He and I have spoken recently uh, about Ja'Kari Brown because Ja'Kari didn't play very well in the, in, the, uh, in the camp, didn't perform very well at all, didn't really grade out well. Um, so we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And so I called him back today because this Quinn Ewer story, you know, written by Pete Tham over at Yahoo Sports, um, basically uh, Quinn is saying, look, I, like you mentioned, I can, I can take one credit online, graduate early, go to Ohio State and sit on the bench and, you know, collect a paycheck, which I can't do at the high school level. And so I know listeners immediately are thinking, man, this is going to ruin um, high school sports. You're going to start to see all these kids just graduate graduate early and leave and go to the, look i think you need to you know sort of pump the brakes quinn yours is sort of a very very special and unique situation you're talking about a guy who um is the number one uh recruit in the country consensus uh a quarterback that's a special position he's got eighty-five thousand instagram followers he's the, the king of texas so to speak it's possibly the greatest the greatest mullet in the country right now Right. And, and so he's an example of maybe one or two kids that it would make sense, right, that, that they would want to cash in on NIL in high school. The problem is Texas state law doesn't allow for it. Here in Florida, the law doesn't allow for it. So there's a lot of states. I think California is one of the few flexible ones. And so, as you mentioned, Carlos, guys are going to, you know, could end up moving to different states that do allow them to cash in on NIL as high schoolers. But this is an issue that is far from resolved. Um, especially even at the high, you know, the college level, much less the high school level. And the one thing I'll say about Quinn Ewers from, from talking to Brian Stumpf is, you know, as, as great a prospect as he is, he's still 17 years old, his body, yep. you know, he still has to go through trade. Anybody who expects him to go to Ohio state, arrive on August 3rd for camp and compete for the starting job. Like that's just not going to happen. And I asked Brian Stumpf, who's seen, hundreds of quarterbacks through the elite 11 program, all the best ones asked them the hypothetical. I'm like, is there anybody in your mind that could have done it, skipped their senior season, gone to college to cash in on NIL and actually played. He gave me two names, Matthew Stafford. And Leonard Fournette. Lawrence. I would have said Leonard Fournette. I would have said Leonard Fournette too. Well, I mean, this is just quarterbacks, but <clears throat> right. the, the, the point is a lot of these guys body wise wouldn't be able to do it. So no. I don't think we're going to all of a sudden see an epidemic here of high school recruits, coming to college as early so they can cash in on NIL. And something else I'll say is that, that whole seven figure deal. Yeah. That, that might happen at Ohio state and Alabama. But that's not happening everywhere. That's no. only going to happen at the elite schools. <clears throat> and, and, and as far as people who want to pay these guys to go to those schools, and that's essentially what this whole issue is with viewers is, is, you know, he, he's, he's a guy who could make money right now and he can't because of the uh, rules in Texas and, that's why he's considering leaving. But, you know, as he said in the, in the Pete Thamel story on Yahoo, he doesn't even need the money. So this isn't a kid that's like driven by those things. So I think he's going to end up staying at, at South Lake Carroll. I think there's going to be a, a long legal fight for him to try to get some of that NIL money. But in the long run, my whole point is 
I don't, I would look at this story and, and before you go crazy thinking every great high school player in the country is going to leave for college early, the academic issues, like this kid having one credit short, that doesn't it's happen. It's very rare. Yeah, it's very, very rare. rare. So I, I don't think we need to get caught up in that story, Carlos. Well, here's, here's a few things that I'll say about that, man. First of all, he said, of course, his parents said it wasn't about the money. And he said that also. But they did say, like Smokey said, in, or, or like Big Worm said on Friday, <laughs> it's about the principality of it, Smokey. It's the <laughs> principality of it. So he wants to be able to earn what he can get. And if he doesn't come in and get this seven-figure NIL money now, you might end up with what we Cubans like to call NICO, NICO, which is <laughs> Nicojones, means nothing. <laughs> so if this dude blows out a knee his senior year and is never able to play football again, that money's gone forever. At the very least, he has an opportunity to earn money off of his, off of his unique situation. Like you said, it's very rare that a guy like this has an opportunity to graduate in the summer and be able to go to college a year early. He's the number one recruit in the country. He's probably one of the only guys, like you said, that could physically do this and go to the next level, even if he doesn't start, as long as he competes in camp, gets in the playbook early and gives himself a leg up for the following year to be able to compete for the starting job. That helps him as well. And he's still making money while he's doing it. Now, I think there's other ways around it. Some just being the lawyer here, um, Texas does not allow players to be paid directly for, you know, name, image, and likeness deals, right? That doesn't mean they can't form a trust that is not in his name, have that money held in a trust. And then once he graduates high school, that money becomes his, right? So he could essentially do these deals without being paid, but then being paid through a back door or a third party. So there there's ways to, there's ways to get around it. It's, it's a little more complex than I just made it seem, but there's ways to get around it. The other thing is we need to stop thinking that this is 1988. And he plays for Odessa Perryman, and he's he's got Booby Miles in the backfield. This ain't Friday Night Lights, bro. These kids are are new generation of kids. They don't put that value on winning a state title like they used to. Even in Texas, these guys are thinking about themselves and the opportunities that they have before them. And is it selfish? Yes, but it's the new reality. I mean, some guys would rather stay home, rather play for their high school team and chase that state championship because it means a lot to them. But other guys realize. Man, I may be the number one recruit in the country today, but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I don't know that my future is guaranteed at the college level, let alone the NFL level. So I better get it when I can. No question. And, you know, I'm glad we have you on the show because you always bring that lawyer perspective. There's always ways to get around it. Right, Carlos? I mean, there's always ways in terms of making that money that his family can figure out creative ways. And, and I think that's what we're going to see here when it comes to these high school athletes. All right. I want to stick with recruiting just because the news of the day for the Hurricanes was them picking up their seventh commitment, um, four-star wide receiver Isaiah Horton out of uh, Murfreesboro um, High School, Murfreesboro, Oakland High School in Tennessee. Uh, big 6'3", 100, 6'3 195-pound guy. That's what his coach told me today anyway. Um, who, who plays both ways uh, in high school. He plays cornerback and receiver, and I like that about him. His coach, when I spoke to him today for about 15 minutes, um, was telling me that he reminds him a lot of Terrell Owens in terms of his body wow. uh, and sort of his attitude. This is Kevin Creasy, the, the coach at, at Oakland High School. And so, um, you know, I think it's a great pickup for Miami. They're looking for those big, long uh, receivers uh, who, who have that radius that they can extend their arms out and go up and catch jump balls. We thought uh, a couple of years ago that Miami had a couple of those guys, right, that were going to pan out, and none of them really did. And so you've had, you know, 6'1", six, 6'2", six foot five eleven type receivers here. And I think Manny Diaz with this recruiting class in particular, you know, looking at a guy um, like Horton, uh, looking like looking at the kid out of uh, you know, Jaden Gibson, the kid out of uh, the Gainesville uh, Orlando area, you know, 
six four, six five. They're looking for these bigger receivers because right now they've done a good job getting the speedy fast guys, but those big targets help. And that's really what this kid is. And I'll tell you, he's got a great set of hands, according to his coach, and he's tough. He he uh I guess got into a jet ski accident before his junior year last year. Uh, and his knee was swelling up nasty, like after every game. And the kid was still out there playing both ways. You talk about toughness, like this dude has it. He had off season surgery. He's supposed to be better now. I'm going to actually get a chance to talk to Isaiah Horton tomorrow, but look, Manny Diaz gets, gets two good receivers in this class and the Landon Ibietta kid, everything I've heard about him. And we did a podcast with him uh, previously here for, for wide, right. Um, you know, good receivers, uh, good offensive players. It continues for Miami. And even though they have seven commitments, I can tell you, and I asked Manny Diaz this, this last week in Charlotte, he's not the least bit worried. The transfer portal after this season is going to be bananas. Miami has 23 available scholarships. They've got seven commitments. I'm telling you, you're going to see some more transfer portal action with Miami. He's not in the least bit worried. And he knows a lot of the main guys that they want are going to be committing in December and January anyway. So seven commitments right now. I don't care where they're ranked. Four of them are four-star kids and good players. Yeah, and what you could say about the other three-star guys are that these are Miami guys. These are guys they want. They want to be Hurricanes. They fit the mold of the type of players they're looking for. And it's good to see that they're going after these bigger receivers like you're talking about. And like you said, it's very impressive this guy plays both ways because that means not only is he a big-time receiver, and he's not playing linebacker or safety, he's playing corner, which means he's extremely athletic and, and big at the same time. So they've been missing somebody like that for a while. I mean, who would have thought that losing a guy like Lawrence Cage or even Daryl Langham would have been a big impact on this team considering all the receivers they had on the roster? They haven't had a guy to go up and get a ball in the, in the, in the red zone and just make a jump ball catch in the end zone or even make big plays down the field when they needed it on third and long, like Daryl Langham or Lawrence Cager would. And uh, like you've been saying, I mean, we have a couple guys on the roster that we've tried to have that, that deep ball threat with, but they just haven't been physical enough and strong enough to make those catches, or even, sadly to say, mentally tough enough to come down with those balls. So I think that's what, the, what they're looking for. I think Rob Likens is looking for those receivers that can go out there and make tough catches, use their body, and not just use their speed, but use their hands and their body to make those catches that they need in tough situations. Yeah, and I'll tell you, even the three-star guys, you know, you mentioned, uh, we talked about IBS already, um, but Falenta Carswell, who they picked up uh, last week when Miami was up in Charlotte, Manny literally told us, hey, we got a commitment this morning. And sure enough, that night, Falenta Carswell, Flip Carswell, as he's known, um, you know, he committed that night. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that a lot of people wanted. Oregon was interested in him. Uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech uh, were, were kicking the tires on this kid, and Miami got in on him early. They offered him first. He's a non-football player, basketball player, who's going to finally play football for a full season this year. He's actually related to to the Carswells that are in the NFL, Dwayne Carswell, who was in the league for a while as a tight end with the Broncos um, and, and some other teams. Um, so to me, you know, the guys that they're getting are players that I think have high ceilings, and and I think that's that's more than anything – that what they want. And from talking to the guys in the recruiting department, you know, um, Kamari Rogers, they're super excited about uh, yeah. the cornerback. I mean, Chris Graves is a, is a long athletic cornerback, 6'1", 175 fast. Um, you know, Justin Manville, the linebacker that they also picked up last week. I wrote a big story on him uh, from talking to his coaches at Manville, the same high school where De'Ara King came from, um, you know, a super fast, a guy who is, you know, the coaching staff at Manville told me that he's, he's faster than a cornerback and a safety that they have there. He's like the second or third fastest guy on their defense. So, 
Um, you know, that's the kind of thing Miami needs. And he's 6'1", 210. He's got a bigger frame. You can put some weight on him. They're projecting him to, to be a middle linebacker. He's played with Corey Flagg before. They're friends. There's a, there's a friendship there between them. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at sort of the building of this roster and how you get it from, okay, you went eight and three last year. You potentially could, you know, win the division this year if you can pull off the road win North Carolina. How do you get to championship level, which is what the goal is? I think they're, they're taking the right approach with this class, which, by the way, now with seven commitments, I'm looking at it right now on, on 247 Sports website, they're up to 58th in the country, uh, which everybody's, oh, 58, that's terrible. Rocketing up the, rocketing up the charts, baby. Right. But if you but if you go over and you look at the national rankings in terms of what they're averaging per recruit and I know, OK, you're, you're, you're splitting hairs here or whatever. Um, no, that's the way it should be. It's, it's basically based on the quality of it. And let me look at it now that it allows me to do this. Hold on a second. While we're, while we're, this is terrible uh, podcast. Uh, that's all right. I'll talk a little bit about Medlock and, and Flip Carswell, I think. <laughs> so to talk about Flip, I think it's interesting that he got in on him so early and they found a the guy that's very athletic, who's really a basketball player first. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a bigger, if you can believe it, more athletic version of Zion Nelson. This dude is a larger human being that can move and a guy that can develop. If they develop Zion Nelson from, what was it, 6'5", 6'6", 240 into the guy that he is a potential first-round pick, yeah. they can take this guy who's already big and athletic and, and turn him into a monster. And as far as Medlock's concerned, he had major offers his junior year until he got hurt. So a lot of teams backed off after he got hurt. And the Hurricanes were lucky enough to get in there when everybody started coming back once they saw he was healthy. But hopefully um, he continues to progress and uh, we have a couple steals here. Yeah, I think they do. Uh, their, their average per recruit is 90.08 or whatever, according to the composite. That's second in the conference behind Clemson. And uh, just ahead of those those uh, June Bake Off winners, the Florida State Seminoles, who have the number one class in the country, uh, I think. Oh, what do they rank? They've got number one in the ACC. And uh, where are the Seminoles now? The great Florida State. They're eighth in the country with 17 commitments. I, I love FSU fans. Uh, you know, Manny Diaz obviously riled them up with his June Bake Off comments uh, at Paradise Camp. But so I asked the question tonight. I, I go, hey, we're, we're going to record a new wide right. Uh, do you guys have any questions? And, of course, the first guy is a Seminole. And, you know, he's talking about how, uh, you know, uh, well, are you going to talk about Florida State the whole time? Is it just Florida State question? I'm like, do you think Miami fans live in that world where they really give a shit about Florida State? I mean, no. uh, but that's hey, listen, when you're when you're trying to get back to relevancy, I guess that's what you do. You, you live in that world. But, uh, you know, uh, good for Florida State. They've got a great recruiting class early. I hope they get better. I mean, the conference needs them to get better. There's no question about Yeah, because it's getting boring beating the shit out of them every year now. And uh, <laughs> it'd be nice if we could get it back to top 10 matchups like it used to be in the glory days. But if we just keep stomping them for the rest of our lives, I mean, it'll be boring, but I'll take it. Yeah. By the way, I want to tease at the end of this podcast, I'm going to have two interviews for you. Uh, again, thank God for the NIL era. Quarterback De'Ara King, I got a chance to sit down with him for about 12, 13 minutes, one-on-one on Monday. I went to this event down in Wynwood where one of, you know, Alex Arnott, who I mentioned earlier, the former walk-on center turned linebacker, he, he put together this deal with Pilo's Restaurant where the players would come in, um, meet and greet with, um, you know, kids with disabilities, employees with disabilities, you know, part of the Best Buddies program. Great program. And, yeah, and it was a really cool event. Um, you know, uh, Lou Headley was there, the punter. Um, you had Ryan Ragoni, the former walk-on linebacker. You had, um, you know, their long snapper. Al Blade showed up. Charleston Rambo was supposed to show up. He didn't show up. But anyway, five former Canes or five current Canes were there and, you know, interacting with the kids. And so I, I got a chance to talk to, 
D'Eric just by myself, even though I talked to him when I was in Charlotte as well with a couple of other beat writers, the two beat writers, only two beat writers who went with me up to Charlotte, the Susan Miller Degna from the Miami Herald and Tom D'Angelo from the Palm Beach Post, no 247 sports, no rivals. It was literally just the three, those three Canes beat writers, including myself. And so we talked to Manny Diaz, we talked to De'Aaron King and, and uh, Mike Harley and Bubba Bolden, but that was kind of a group setting. I was very happy to get a chance just to talk to De'Aaron by myself, to ask him some questions about his, you know, his roommate. He's really close friends with Ryan Ragone. And, and to just ask him about the season coming up. And, and I can tell you, he's so excited. He says he's been talking shit with Tyreek Stevenson for weeks. Like Tyreek just challenges him <laughs> and it's like, he's like, dude, I'm going to light this guy up as soon as camp starts. So I'm really excited. I want you to hear that interview. It was a fun interview. We talked about a lot of different things, um, including sounds, mom. Sounds, sounds very HBO real sports. It, it is. It, it was. And, you know, his mom, the good news is, you know, among the things that we talked about, he had just come back from Houston Sunday night, his mom fully over cancer now, and awesome, she's actually man. back at work. So that's great. And, and I didn't know this, but his family came to every game last year, including the road games. That's his mom in the middle of COVID fighting cancer. Wow. So, I mean, just a super, super uh, family. They, they watch, they've been to every single one of his games, and obviously they're super excited about his comeback. He told us in Charlotte, by the way, that he feels really, really close to being the player he was before. He's still not there yet. The knee, he's, he just started cutting on it last month. Um, but, you know, I asked him, I said, how close are you in terms of speed, uh, jumping, you know, everything that you need to do? And he says as far as his splits, 0.3 seconds off of where he was. And so, um, it was, you know, good conversation. You hear that interview with Derek King. And then you'll also hear my conversation with Lou Headley, who, by the way, I didn't know this, Carlos, um, but apparently international students are not allowed <laughs> to cash in on NIL. Did you know that? Well, right, because they're here on a student visa. So they're only allowed. This is, again, my lawyer hat on because I do immigration. Um, they are only allowed to work, if depending on the kind of visa they have, are only allowed to work in areas or fields that relate to their major, which is sort of a continuation of their education so a training sort of uh role let's say you are studying pre-med and you end up working at a medical facility right whether yeah. it be you know a, a, a hospital clinic or whatever the case may be then that's okay and that needs to be certified by the school and the state department has to say okay that's all right and you can only work a certain amount of hours during the semester and then in summers you can work full time so it's it's very regulated but eventually what ends up happening with these international players is they could transfer it to, to a different visa, uh, being that they have a special skill as an entertainer or, or athlete, and then they can transition to a permanent residency role, which right now he, he doesn't have permanent residency. He's just here on an international student visa. And supposedly when his uh, education ends, he has to go back to, to his home country. Right. And, and we're recording this here Wednesday night, July 28th, 830 p.m. My story isn't been posted yet, but I'm going to be writing a story about Lou because such a unique story. I mean, forget. I mean, I wrote about it already for The Athletic two years ago when he came. Just the crazy, you know, uh, life that he lived before coming to Miami. But now he's 28 years old. He's got a three year old son living in Philadelphia. He hasn't been back home to Australia in two and a half years because of COVID. He was supposed to go back this offseason, couldn't do it because of COVID. He didn't want to go through, you know, the two weeks of of isolation and everything that you have to do to get back in the country. So he hasn't seen his family. I mean, his family was going to come watch him play this guy. And yet he's not getting paid for NIL, but he's showing up to events like Mondays for free. Why? Because he loves his, he loves the community here in South Florida. The university of Miami, by the way, leads the country right now in community service hours. I don't know if you knew this or not. I know this might not be the sexy sports talk people want to hear, but I find it interesting that, you know, Manny Diaz put such an emphasis on this 
and Lou Headley, who's 28 years old, you figure this guy probably would be hanging down by the beach, uh, partying all the time. He's gone out of the 25 events that he's done. He's gone. He's done 12 of the 25 community service events. He leads the team in the most community service hours. And he's just dedicated, man. Like he, he cares about this community. He loves, he could have gone to the NFL. He was a no, no, number one net punt rating in the country last year. Miami had. And I asked him, I said, why didn't you go to the NFL? You're 28 years. Old. He's like, I made a promise to Miami that I was going to be here three years. And so I'm going to be here three years. And so outstanding interview, really enjoyed talking to him. That'll be at the end of this podcast as well. So you'll hear from Derek, you'll hear uh, from, from Miami's tattooed Aussie punter, Lou Headley, great interview. So with that, let's transition here, Carlos. Um, there's so many different subjects. I think the number one thing that most people want to know is this conference realignment. And I guess my question to you as a fan, as a reader, as, as a person on the outside, when you look at UM situation with the ACC, um, what's the first question that comes to your mind? Well, to me is, will they ever win the damn conference championship? That's the first question that always comes to my mind. But that's not really what we're talking about. But if, if we do, if th- this college football playoff expansion, I think gives them an opportunity to sneak, w- sneak into the picture in terms of being able to compete for a national championship a lot faster than they would if the system remained the same. And I think conference realignment would actually help their case. If you create four strong conferences where everybody's basically beating up on each other, so it doesn't matter if you have two or three losses, you can still sneak into the playoff and then make some noise if you're hot at the end of the season then you can make a run sort of like in March Madness. I think that helps the Hurricanes in that sense. And as we know, the more you win, the better you're recruiting, the better you're recruiting, the better you end up being down the road. Um, and I think in terms of money in the long run, we're going to need stronger conferences, bigger pieces of the pie, more interesting TV deals, because some of that money that was coming to the universities is being diverted through NIL directly to the players. So now the universities need to make up that money some way, somehow, to be able to continue to, to you know boost these facilities pay for the programs and keep them on the leading edge of what it is in terms of sports science. Um, the, the, what we've been seeing lately is the talk of Texas and Oklahoma possibly going to the SEC and blowing up the Big 12, essentially, where all the remaining teams sort of scatter across the country. And I think it was interesting. I sent you a text message earlier with one of the plans that I saw that had uh, Notre Dame and West Virginia becoming permanent members of the ACC. And then each of the big conferences remaining, the Big 10 or the big, in this case, the SEC, the Pac-12 and the SEC, each having 16 members and breaking them off into sort of four individual divisions, which would be interesting to see. Um, I think that would be amazing. I think we, the competition would be stronger within the conferences. I think the non-conference schedule would be one or two games. So now you're not seeing, you know, three or four weeks of cupcakes and teams going across the country and just beating up on, on smaller opponents to be able to boost up their, their schedules. But now those conference schedules mean a lot more. And the conference profiles are a lot higher. So you could actually take two teams from each of those conferences and then have other at-large teams fill in behind it. Now the question becomes, what happens to the smaller conferences, like the AAC Conference USA and all those other conferences? What happens with their teams if they have a team like a UCF or, or a breakthrough team like a Memphis or, or who knows, that, that's playing well that season that should get a shot or maybe like Coastal Carolina this past year. So what happens there? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I think right now, I mean, and you sent me that that text with uh, the graphic, you know, of the 16 team conferences and, and everybody just sort of scrambling to, to move to the Pac-12 and the ACC and Big Ten and just filling up spots, right? So you get to the 16-team, 18-team type setting. I, I don't know that that's what's going to happen, Carlos, to be honest. I don't think so either, but it'd be fun. Yeah, it certainly would be fun. And a lot of the questions I got here, you know, including I'm gonna, I want to read some of these off if I can get through all the uh, the FSU banter that I'm getting here. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, one of the one of the FSU fans said to me, uh, I asked for questions. He says, that's got to be one of the saddest things you've seen. I said, what about 5210? And I still I'm waiting for his response. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, or, or what about or what about your head coach allowing uh, reporters to call plays during the spring game? Right, right. That although that was fun. We uh, Andy Stables for the Athletic got a chance to do that. That was kind of cool. What, what do you call? What do you end up calling the annexation of Puerto Rico? Maybe I don't know. He ended up calling the bakes the June bake sale for uh, all the Florida <laughs> State fans. Um, no, the, the main questions were you know where do you see Miami in five years? Here's what here's the problem, Carlos. Um, I can see this being for football only. I can't see this being for all the other sports, right? I mean, the reality is geographically, all the other small sports with the amount of travel that they do, going from you know tennis, golf, whatever it is, like you can't all of a sudden. I, I know people are throwing this idea out there. Oh, well, let, let's bring in Washington and Oregon and USC and UCLA, right? We're just gonna go out and bring those four teams in and make a Pac-12 alignment, like. It's just not that's just not going to work for the other sports. Um, and so, you know, a couple of things to take into account here. The ACC has 14 teams right now and they have the longest TV contract. It doesn't expire until 2036. And the grant of rights for the ACC teams doesn't run out until then either. So essentially, the other conferences are in a better position to move the way Texas and Oklahoma are. Their TV contracts, I know the Big Ten, Big Ten contract, I think, ends in in 25 as well with, with Fox or 24. And so there's the possibility that you could see a couple of teams move there. But I think in the long run, what you're going to see here is more of an alignment in terms of, hey, maybe the ACC and Pac-12, you play two Pac-12 two Pac teams every year if you're in the ACC. Or maybe it's a deal with the Big Ten where you play two Big Ten teams um, in non-conference games. That's how you get the kind of TV deals. Right, like you you're want. doing basketball with the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Right. And I think, you know, from from a conference standpoint and from, you know, the college football playoff standpoint, I think we're headed towards that anyway, because, you know, teams are going to want to qualify for the playoff. They're going to want to have elite schedules. Um, and I think in the end, uh, you know, that's what's going to matter. And, and, and right now, look, the, the 12 team college playoff, it's up in the air, like with 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 Texas and Oklahoma, you know, shifting conferences and changing the whole structure. Like they reported it today. Like they're taking a second look. Nicole Auerbach wrote the story for us at the athletic. They're sort of taking a look now. Well, what do you do with the 12 team playoff? Because if this is, if the sec is just going to have a pipeline to the playoffs where they're going to have six, eight teams every single year, because you know, they're all playing each other and all the quote unquote best teams are there. Um, then that's not what they're going to want. This is about creating competitive balance in college football and, and giving an opportunity to some other conferences and teams that don't get a chance to go there. So I, I just think we're way too early in the stage to start being like, where do we think Miami's going to be in five years? I think Miami's going to be in the ACC. I think Florida State is going to be in the ACC. And I think the only team the ACC would add is Notre Dame. 
I think that's it. From if you look at the structure, from an education standpoint, from that's a, what I was going to say. Yeah, all, I think all, that's, all, the, that's the right. one thing people are missing is the ACC prides itself on being an academic conference as well. So all of these schools, or most of them, have a high academic profile. Right. Well, I mean, I, I just look at it like this. I, I think in the end, money's going to win win out, and um, you know, the, the conferences have to do what's best for them. And so you're going to start to see some teams in the Big Ten get worried about Ohio State. They're going to get worried about Michigan. You're going to start to see, you know, what is USC going to do, the traditional schools that have all the money. And we'll see what happens from there. But the ACC, is, as far as you're concerned, I mean, they're locked in through 36. And if you and if you try to get out of, you know, those grant of rights deals, the penalties that you have, it just doesn't make any Way sense. Way too expensive, yeah. I think for Miami, it's like a wait and see what everybody else does kind of approach. And yeah, I don't see I don't see the Hurricanes ever moving. I think it would be somebody moving into the ACC to join them. Right. And, and even then, I don't know who's of it. Like, who's going to – who regionally is going to come in and change anything? Like, if Central Florida all of a sudden became – some ridiculous power and they're getting the college football playoffs and the championship every year. That's a different story, but UCF isn't there yet. Um, and, and they're not in a situation where I think, you know, especially with Florida state technically close by how comfortable is, you know, what, what kind of issues are you going to go get there if, if all of a sudden UCF turns into a power. So I, I don't know. I just think, I think you're going to see more movement among those other schools before you see anything really strong with the ACC is concerned. So I think Miami from a Miami perspective, I think it's a wait and see deal yeah absolutely i agree so all right so that's that's the conference realignment talk um there's plenty of things to talk about from acc media day and from from a season perspective we talked about the king earlier is there anything on your mind carl something from the acc that you that you know you know i reported or was being talked about well i know you wrote a story about the king and uh <clears throat> what what the hurricanes need to do to bring the profile back up and he he seems to be the face of that moving forward. And I think it's there couldn't have been a better sort of marriage between a program and a player in terms of, you know, personality, athleticism, ability, and the type of program like the Hurricanes with their story pass and what their brand means across the country than these two. And I think De'Ara King, just being the, the kind of guy that he is, that he's very nice, very thoughtful, you know, sharing his NIL money with his teammates, ensuring that other people have opportunities to grow, like the deal that he did uh, with, with this guy from Florida State. Um, it, it's it, it speaks to the type of person that he is and the type of program that Manny Diaz is trying to build. That even speaks to the type of person that Lou Headley is. You know, having those kinds of guys that are unselfish, that are willing to give of their time, of, of their money even, to, to be able to build the program and give to their teammates and raise them to a different level makes a huge difference. And I think a lot of those guys that are coming back have that sort of attitude. And it's not about me, 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 like it's been a lot in the past here recently. It's about us, we, what can we do to elevate this brand, elevate each other and make up for what's been done in the past here and bring this program to what it used to be. And, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad De'Ara King's a hurricane. I'm glad Lou Headley's a hurricane. I'm glad a guy like Mike Harley's back. You know, I'm excited to see what these guys do and what they bring uh, this coming season. And, and speaking to that, you know, that's a question initially when I was in Charlotte last week, that that was kind of the big thing, right? NIL, uh, before we started having all this conference realignment and Avante Williams getting right before all that stuff went down, it's like everybody wanted to talk about NIL and how that's going to change things. And I can tell you from conversations with those guys, with Derek King, with Manny Diaz, with Bubba Bolden um, and Mike Harley, you know, this is really going to come down to locker room. Right. How does the locker room handle this? Because ultimately, Manny Diaz and he said this, I said, look, Manny, 
you know, you, you've got young kids here, um, you know, with NIL where they could make a decision like, hey, you know what? I, I want to go to the wharf tonight because I'm going to make 500 bucks for showing up there and, and signing autographs for fans. Or he has to decide, you know what? We're playing Alabama this week. Um, I better keep my ass inside and I better be studying film and I better be talking with my teammates and, and getting ready for this game. I said, ultimately, it, it comes down to those kids making those decisions. And Manny said, look, I can't do anything. And, and I asked him point blank. I said, well, you do control playing time, right? Uh, yeah. So that's the gray area. And his, and his response to me basically was, yeah, but I can't really go down that path. You know, I, it's, a, it's a lose-lose situation for Manny Diaz because the moment he starts benching guys because they're going to NIL events, what's the first thing that's going to be screamed at him? You're not allowing your players to, to profit off their name, image, and likeness. So in the end, like I said, this is a locker room issue. This is a De'Eric King, uh, Lou Hadley, all the guys that, that represent the character of the locker room. If you have a great locker room, NIL shouldn't be an issue. If you have a bad locker room, the one that we saw in 2018 here with this Hurricanes team, yep. it could be a complete and total mess. And so, you know, that's kind of the issue. That's kind of the secret recipe to what all of this is about. And, um, you know, I think Miami for this coming season is in a, is in a great spot. Um, I think in the future, if Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia, the quarterbacks here, uh, they're in a great spot because I think both, both of those kids have the right sort of approach to it all. But, um, you know, we'll have to see, man. Uh, It's a year-to-year thing, and I think right now Miami's in a great situation, but it's an issue that you have to watch going forward. And I'm interested to see here what locker rooms really fall apart here because of NIL. You know, where does the jealousy start to happen? Where where do guys start to miss, uh, you know, not study film because they're out partying at a, you know, somebody's paying for them to party, all those kind of issues. Somebody's out at Bullwinkle's at two in the morning partying uh, because they got uh, they they got to hand out Jello shots in their Florida State jersey. Right. Um, yeah, something like that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, without que- without question, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they uh, behave and uh, and and you know how everybody handles this. But for right now, I think Miami's got good leaders, and and, and- that's that's what's going to be the the end all difference in this. And like you said, the locker room is the main thing. And and the way you build a strong locker room and a strong culture starts from the top and it filters down. So your leaders, your top guys, your top performers have to buy in to the culture that your team is setting, that your head coach is trying to set. And then that filters down to everybody else. And it's interesting that De'Ari King, I think it was he tweeted not too long ago, he said, the main thing is still the main thing, which is a great Pat Riley quote. Right. Um, <laughs> that it's still about it's still about winning. And, and it's awesome to see the heat culture seeping into the Hurricanes. Hopefully you have the same kind of success here coming in the future. But it, if your leaders, if your main guy, if the guy that's leading the charge on NIL is saying, yeah, this is great, but we're still here to win games. And this is what we're going to do. He's still out there working, coming back from an injury, putting in time on the field in the weight room and doing what he needs to do in the classroom. Everybody else is going to fall in line because they're going to say, if that's the guy that's leading the charge, well, then I'm going to follow suit because there's a reason why he's our, you know, the face of our program. There's a reason why he's a leader because of the way he performs on the field. And you need to put that work in and put the grind in to be able to be successful on the field. Because if not, there's no NIL money. Nobody's going to give money to a scrub. Nobody's going to give money to a guy just sitting on the end of the bench, not doing anything. Because if they do, then I've got like two years of eligibility left and I'm walking on. <laughs> uh, yeah, this the, everything with Dan Lambert and, and, and that deal where he's getting every Hurricanes player played $500 a month. It's great in theory right now. I, I, I will say that uh, it's great to be able to sell that your program, you know, if you come to Miami and you recruit, 
you're going to make $500 a month, but we'll see how long that Lambert contract actually lasts. Does it go beyond this season? Does there's so many different things with this NIL that, it, that we really don't know right. what to make of it yet. Um, but I will tell you um, from conversations I've had with a lot of different people, you know, the feeling is the, the best players are going to be the ones that continue to get the NIL contracts. And there's going to be a lot of other guys, you know, not getting them. And so, uh, you know, and in terms of how it affects recruiting, um, I still think the elite recruits, the five stars are going to go to the best programs where they can make real NFL careers for themselves. And so I don't see this all of a sudden becoming an right. issue where Miami, because of Dan Lambert paying 500 bucks a month, to each player, they're going to start raking in five stars. That's not going to do it, dude. Like winning championships, getting guys to the NFL on a regular basis, producing first round picks, all of those things are, are what factor into the best players coming to your schools. Yeah, like at the end of the day, NIL money is great, but it's not NFL money. No. So at the end of the day, the NFL money is the real goal. And that's what they're looking for because it's that that's, you know, life changing money. That's uh, that's like the, like we've seen in the movie Goodfellas. That's FU money. Right. That's that's <laughs> the kind of money that that you could do whatever you want with. And, and it lasts a lifetime. They can set you up in your family for the rest of your lives. The other thing is a lot of companies are going to be jumping on this NIL stuff early on just because it's a novelty and they're going to get a lot of exposure. But once it keeps on going, they're going to, everybody's here to make money. And if there's no ROI, if there's no return on investment, these companies are going to pull that money back. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and those deals are going to get smaller and smaller, even for the star players. So all this sharing of the money with these star players, like Derek King get, you know, get, get paid and they start sharing with the teammates. Some of that may stop. And what does that create then in the locker room? Are we now going to be having haters in the locker room saying, why are you getting paid and not me? Why don't you share some of that money with me? Why are you being so greedy? And that causes additional problems. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that spins out of this NIL stuff that's going to be interesting. And we haven't even seen the beginnings of it yet. I think it's th there's a lot of stuff that people haven't thought about to begin with. Like, are recruits going to sit down with universities now and say, OK, as part of your presentation to me, I need to know what my NIL opportunities are going to be. What have your players made in NIL over the last one, two, three years? What's the average payment for your starters? What's the average payment for guys that are on the roster? You know, how has that panned out? And then make a decision based on that. You know, like you said, star players are going to go wherever they feel their, their, their opportunity to play in the NFL is, is best. It, you know, gives them the best opportunity to do that. But there are going to be guys that sit down and make a financial decision because they say, this may be my only opportunity to make money. So I need to make the best financial decision now for me. And what are the regulations behind that? How is the NCAA going to regulate somebody having a potential NIL deal in place before they sign or after they sign, you know, just through word of mouth negotiations? It's going to be hard to police that. And yep. like you were saying with these, these big time programs, a lot of people think that just because, you know, it's Miami uh, or, or USC or UCLA with LA that these big cities provide more NIL opportunities. That's not necessarily true. The big money's in these smaller schools with the heavy booster bases, like a Texas. I think Texas is going to end up being one of the bigger players in NIL because of all their oil and gas money and their huge endowment for their athletic program from these boosters because they could basically have people, although they may not have uh, boosters directly contribute to the athletes, they can have businesses invest in a businesses like your a business like your guy said last week the attorney invest in a business and then indirectly pay the athletes so even coaches let's say nick saban's mercedes dealership can have a commercial where he lines up the entire football team behind them in the mercedes dealership and gets paid or he does a commercial for somebody else let's say whatever restaurant hey listen here i'm nick saban here's my team come eat at this restaurant and he doesn't take that check he pays everybody off on the team that's legal now through NIL. So what's going to happen? So it's, it's an interesting situation. 
It is. And one to monitor going forward, uh, how everything changes here in the uh, months, weeks uh, ahead. It's, it's going to be interesting. Um, a couple questions here that I want to get to, because I asked on Twitter. And, and so we have a couple here, uh, JL Valero 81 known as grown man on Twitter asks expectations on linebackers, specifically Tyreek Austin cave. Is it more likely we beat Bama or app state beats us? Um, Wow. I don't know how to answer that second one. I'm going to answer like Kelvin Harris. We're going to beat Alabama by three touchdowns. Okay. <laughs> App State shouldn't even get off the bus because he's going to get drilled by 52. Corey Flagg is going to be an All-American. Okay. And uh, Tyreek Austin Cave is not going to start at the beginning of the season, but by the end of the year, he's going to be a Heisman candidate. There you go. There you go. You, you, you nailed it. Um, yeah, Kelvin, if you want to listen to me and Kelvin talk college football and, and hurricanes, or specifically just listen to Kelvin talk about the 16 players he said Miami's going to have drafted next year, uh, you can check out his podcast, The Huddle Cast. I was on with him for two hours. And, you know, Kelvin, of course, thinks his team's going 15 0, winning a national championship, and, you know, going to set a record for NFL draft picks. Um, you can listen to that there and he'll be back with us soon. I just couldn't have him on today because there were too many things to get to. And, and, you know, uh, it, it, sometimes it's hard to get past first base with him. Um, so anyway, are they going to beat? Ban what's more likely beating Bama or Appalachian state beats us? I, I think right now you can say, uh, Appalachian state beating Miami, right? Because if they lose to Alabama badly and let's say there's a bunch of injuries, who's to say Appalachian state couldn't beat Miami at home. Uh, the, the second game around. Look, I, I think Miami will be one and one after those two games. I think they're going to lose to Bama. I think they're going to beat Appalachian State. And then the entire season is going to come down to one thing. How do you do against North Carolina? And can you get to the Coastal? That's what matters. Um, expectations on linebacker. Look, I, I'm hopeful that Keontra Smith uh, and, and Corey Flagg turn out to be, you know, legitimate starters that can handle a lot of the work by themselves but i think you're gonna have to count on some young guys to to play i don't know if tyreek austin cave will i don't know if he'll just be a guy who, who shows up on special teams but you know him avery huff um certainly you got bj jennings back as a veteran uh wayne wayne steed um i just think in the end the guys miami is counting on are Corey flag and Keontra Smith, you know, I think those will be the two starting linebackers against uh, Alabama in the opener in Atlanta. Yeah, and, and I think Hurricanes fans need to wrap their mind around this one. It's totally possible because Alabama's lost a lot of guys to the draft. They're replacing a lot of players on both sides of the ball. They're not the same team they were last year. Maybe the Hurricanes do win this game. Let's say they squeeze it out against Alabama. But it's totally possible they lose to North Carolina later in the season. Like, North Carolina's no joke. Yeah, and they, and they just beat the shit out of us last year. Like, the, I, although they lost those two running backs to the NFL, I mean, if you lose fifty percent of that running total from that game, they still run for like two hundred yards. Like, this is not—they still score thirty-two points or something like that. This was not like a close game we lost to North Carolina last year, and they have probably, if not the best, one of the best quarterbacks coming back in the country, and we've got to face that team again. So let, let's let's on the road. So let's chill with the whole. It's going to be an easy run if we beat Alabama. We could beat Alabama, but we could still lose. To North Carolina down the road, and who knows who else? Because you know this team always pops in a surprise loss here and there. Well, let's not forget um, how many plays away was Miami losing from losing at NC State? How many plays away was Miami from losing at Virginia Tech? I mean, Derek King willed this team to to big road wins last year to get them to eight and three. Um, they lose both of those games. Somebody else is playing quarterback. 
uh, they're six and five. And all of a sudden we're not feeling so great about this team. We're not talking about 15 and all. So I think, you know, with everything that happened last year with COVID, the amount of guys that were out, Pittsburgh didn't have it starting quarterback against Miami, a game that Miami had to fight to win here at home. Um, you know, before we start se separating Miami from everybody else, let's remember the defects that this team has, specifically at linebacker. They've got to replace two of the best edge rushers in college football last year in Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips. And so to me, there's holes. There's things that we've got to see from this team. That said, I do have confidence with the, a, a healthy De'Eric King, with a Charleston Rambo added, with a Tyreek Stevenson added to this roster, that they're going to be a better football team. But does that mean they're going to, you know, win the ACC? No, I don't, I don't think so. And, you know, I, I got a chance, Carlos, last year, last week in Charlotte to talk to a lot of players, other players. I didn't want to just talk to the Miami guys and get the, those answers. I tried to get a lot of those guys alone. You know, when, when the room was kind of emptying out, I went up to them and I said, Hey, you played Miami last year. What was your experience against them? Who stood out? Who were the players that really flashed, you know, guys that you were like, man, that guy's good. And to be honest, and I mean, I went up to the Clemson players and asked them, what do you think of Miami? You beat them 42 to 17 at home. Did, did you really think much of them? And most of the answers, man, were like, hey, you know, they got some players. But the consensus, the feeling I got was they all felt like De'Ara King made them better than, than what they were. And I also think that they felt like, you know, Miami's going to have a tough time replacing Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche. So, um, you know, again, these are guys who don't spend a lot of time thinking about Miami, but they played them last year. And, you know, the guys from Pittsburgh, uh, Louisville and NC State lost to Miami last year. And they, you know, while they had good things to say about some of Miami's players, uh, to me, the general consensus was is Miami's just one of the other teams here. You know, it's not like they're the old Canes or anything like that. And so it's an interesting story. If you want to read it, you can read it at theathletic.com. But some interesting opinions. And for the most part, Clemson thinks North Carolina is the next best team in the conference. Both As they James, should. James Skowski and um, Matt Bockhurst, the offensive lineman. So, As they should. And, and let's be honest, if, if Keontre Smith is starting next to Corey Flagg, a middle linebacker, game one against Alabama, I don't know how comfortable I feel with that. I mean, you, you, we expected Sam Brooks to make a move by now to be that guy. He's been hurt and stuff. But if, if Miami has to have a chance, you need a guy like a Sam Brooks, uh, you know, an Avery Huff, somebody like that to step in and be that athletic, bigger dude to make plays. I don't know that Keontre Smith can be that guy. He's great. He's athletic. He's fast. But I don't know that he can shed a block to be able to make a tackle and chase the ball carrier down and, and, and be able to be physical enough at the point of attack to be able to slow the run game down. He can be great in coverage and run guys down in space. But aside from that, I don't know. I don't know if he can do it. Coming from a DB to linebacker, that's a big move, especially for a smaller guy. And this season is basically going to come down to a six-week stretch after that bye week where you've got six weeks in a row of North Carolina, NC State, Pitt, Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Virginia Tech. So if they could survive those six weeks – and they don't shit the bet against Duke like they've done in the past sometimes, they should be fine. But it's still a strong six weeks they got to put up with against teams, like you said last year, one who destroyed us and a few others that we barely escaped against. And then, of course, Florida State, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, it's the same thing as every other year you go into the ACC. You don't have a ton of confidence that Miami's not going to crop the bet at one point or another because it's we've seen them do it very, very often. And at the same time, you know, again, they're still not at that elite level. So for all the draft picks, um, you know, Miami is supposedly going to have at the end of the season, there's a lot of guys who have to prove themselves this year, and we'll have to see it. I, I feel good about it. I think they're going to be good. Um, but we got a long way to go. Carlos, 
thank you for spending all this time with me, man. Um, it was fun doing this podcast with you. I'm going to have Kelvin on the next one. So it's probably going to be twice as long as this one. Um, but I appreciate you coming on to talk uh, Canes football with me. Uh, make sure to stick around. We've got a couple of interviews for you. I'm going to tease both of them. First one will be of De'Eric King, my conversation with him Monday over at Pilos in Wyndham. Um, you know, just talking about Ryan Ragoni, his roommate, talking about uh, his friendship with him and, and Lou Headley, what it's like to be the leader of this team. I even asked him, I said, has Manny Diaz ever come to you and just say, thanks for coming, dude? So that's one of the questions I asked him. Uh, we talked about Ty, uh, Tyreek Stevenson, what he's looking forward to most, the, the, the uh, shit-talking battles that they're going to have in camp when it opens August 6th. And then, of course, the Lou Headley interview, which uh, Lou's just a, a really good person. I talked about all the community service work that he does uh, in this area and, and uh, the NFL. We talked NFL. We talked about his teammates. And I, I'm not going to say what he told me about De'Ara King, but essentially – uh, pretty moving comments about De'Ara King and 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 what he considers the the best moment he's had as a Hurricane. This is from Lou Headley, by the way, not De'Ara King. So you'll hear that. Hope that's a good tease. Make sure you come back, check us out here on Wide Right. We're going to start uh, being around a little bit more regularly. I know it's been three weeks since our previous podcast, but uh, we're going to be around more here as camp gets going. Carlos, once again, thank you. Parting thought from you as we go. Hey, man, just looking forward to the season. And uh, before we go, we got to give a shout out to Mike Zimmerman. It is his birthday today. I saw on Twitter. Yes, Happy birthday, producer. Mike, the uh, the best producer in the game. Uh, I know Kelvin would like to disagree with that. <laughs> but uh, we happy birthday, Mike. Hope you enjoyed it. And listen, man, I'll be coming up with stuff on my own MIL Day podcast. I actually recorded a podcast with Charles Farms, former safety for the Hurricanes, that uh, the audio got screwed up with, so I wasn't able to publish that but I'll come back with some other stuff. Um, I'm going to have some guys that coach at the high school level sometimes so we can get their opinion on not only the team, but on high school football and, and get a little bit more different, uh, diverse content on there as well. Uh, we played against each other in football. He's from like 15 minutes from where I'm from. Okay. Uh, so we're the same district in high school. Played against him a couple of times. I'm, I'm two years older than him, but played against him. And then, you know, reconnected when I got back out here. Yeah. He told me he started texting you when you first put your name in the portal. Yeah. I guess being a... a Texas native and knowing you, he yeah, was yeah. how much did that help knowing somebody at Miami? Yeah, it helped a lot. You know, um, he he actually texted me. Actually, I wanted to leave before I even entered the portal. But um, yeah. you know, when I did, he was texting me nonstop, you know, trying to get me to come out here. Then on my official visit, he was my host, so I was him my OB, and he kind of like showed me around, and, like you know, being from the same city. Yeah. Um, it helped. Like he was out here, he liked it so much out here, so I know I would like it. And now you guys are still roommates all the way through. Roommates, yep, roommates. He was a walk on, a guy who. Walked on at Arkansas State and then tried it here. Yeah. Obviously, he got on scholarship before you got here, but yeah. No, you... I was here when he got on scholarship. Oh, you. Oh, you were here. Yeah. Okay. Were you Were you talking him through that process of like? Because he told me he only had a grant for one year. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I, mean, I was just like trying to encourage him. He had to. I mean, he had to put in the work. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, he put in all the work. Um. You know, got got noticed by the coaches and he was working extremely hard. And I think that's what you know got him the scholarship. So I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah. Uh. And he's such a good dude. Like in terms of setting the example you do that yeah. yourself for the offense but yeah why is he why is he good at what he does i think he's just a good person you know um he's a really good person he works extremely hard like he's behind the scenes a lot like, he doesn't get a lot of you know recognition yeah. and all that but he's probably one of the smartest people on our defense and um yeah as far as like all the younger guys but he's the one that's like help coaching them like telling them what to do and you know, how to recognize different you know, formations and all that and um yeah. obviously he don't get a lot of credit for it but he's i mean he's, he does a lot of work behind the scenes all year I got to write an essay about the excitement of college football coming back and coming back in a normal way now yeah. where fans can actually be there. 
and I thought was the people that you see, you know, the security guards, the, yep. the people that don't get the recognition. Yes. For you, are there people like that with here at Miami that you're looking forward to seeing again? You know, whoever it is, the guy who puts on your tape, guys that yep. don't get the recognition. Tell me, give me an example. Man, we, we have a, a really good bus driver. Uh -huh. He's the, probably the best I ever seen. You know, really? Um, What's his name? Um, John. He, John. Uh, yeah. He um he's he's a super good dude. I mean, he he loves you know Miami football. Um, and, uh, and it's so good seeing it. Every time we go to the hotel uh -huh. after the game, he don't want to drive on my bus. Bus one, he drives our bus, and uh, he's super you know, excited. He's super, he has a lot of enthusiasm. Like, um, it's, it's awesome for him. He's one of those guys who you don't know their last name, but I'm sure every yeah. time you see him, it brings you. Tell me, what, what does he talk to you guys about? Does he talk about family? What does he, what does he bring up? He talks about everything. He's a cool dude. He talks about, you know, talks about football, talks about family. Um, so he actually how you doing every time you get on the bus, kind of give you a dap and a hug. Um, yeah. so he, he's one of those types. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good one. All right, man. Bye. An event like this, why does it bring you joy? Man, because like we, we don't get to do things like this often, right? Like we always tied up with you know football or other stuff, but um, you know, a bit like this that's not about money, it's not about anything like that, it's about giving back, you know. You know, these kids would you know die to be in our shoes playing football at University of Miami and you know, sometimes you can take it for granted. But you know, like coming to things like this, you, you realize how blessed you are just to be um, just be able to do something like this. So it, it's it's awesome. It's probably my favorite event I've done so far. Lou's not even getting paid. I didn't yeah. re I didn't realize that international yeah. students couldn't because of the visa. Yeah. You guys try to do something nice for him, like to pay him back, or what do you do? Of course, no, it's it, it's <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't say, but um no, Lou's a good dude. Like he's out here just on his own time, like you know, right. just giving back. Um I wish we I wish he could get paid, you know, I, I might give him something, you know. Might you know? buy him a soda or something. Might, might, might buy him a dinner, you know. Um, but he's a really good dude. And, um, he, uh, it's pretty awesome. Him and Clay, him and Clay James, uh, they do probably the most community service I've ever seen in my life. They go to every single event, so yeah. it's good. Yeah. yeah, Ryan was telling me you guys have done like 20, you're like the second most or something like I that. I think we're second in the country right now in community service. Like, Is there like a, somebody that charged that all or something? Yeah, they chart the hours and the events we do. Yeah. And it's literally probably been like two or three events every single week since May. Wow. So, and um, every guy, it's mandatory for every guy on the team to get at least three events. Right. So, How most many have you done? You I've done that? like six or seven. So, most of us have done more than three. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mr. Real and Coach Bias, they do a good job of, you know, sorting it out and, you know, getting us events like that. What's been the most fun event you've had since you've come to Miami? Is there something that sticks out? Um, you know, last year I didn't get to do it a lot because COVID. But, so this year my first time doing it. But um, I would say going to elementary. Like, we, we went to a bunch of elementary, like, right before they got out of school. And um, it was it was really good, like just to see kids that you know they they love you to death. Like they they don't get they don't care if you score five touchdowns or no touchdowns. You know they just want to be in your shoes. So like you know, going to a bench like that, it's a blessing. I asked Lou that question. You know what he said? What? Seeing you run for the first time. Seeing me run for the first time. Surgery. Okay. He yeah. said he got emotional watching yeah. it. A lot of the guys did. Yeah. Take me to that moment. What was it like for you? It was crazy, you know, because you know when I when I came back, you know I was the one to do everything with the team, but you know I couldn't. So like the first. Four or five weeks of winter was horrible for me as far as like, you know, just doing rehab, um, not being with the guys. And then, you know, one day I was practicing by myself. Like, everybody be home and I'll be up there with my, my PT and the trainers and we, we started running on treadmill and kind yeah. of progressed the grass. Uh, so, like, around the spring game time, that's when I started running on grass and, you know, kind of surprised everybody. I went out there and started warming up with everybody and started running. It's like, what the heck? But it, it was a good feeling, you know, just, you know, seeing your teammates support you. You know, I, I love seeing one of my teammates. Like, seeing them support me, was, it was great.
What's that like as somebody who already knows, you obviously know you're the leader, but yep. to see them respond that way after what you went through? It's great, you know, it, it shows like, you know, how close you really are. Yeah. Like, I've been here a year, but you know, I tell everybody, like, it's probably one of the closest teams I've ever been on. And that's including high school. High school, we were super close. Um, yeah. No, this team is special. Just because the guys, not even about football, not even about like on the field, but like everything off the field, like we're super, super tight. Every, you know, every weekend, everybody's together. So um, uh, I love this scene to death. What's your best Ryan story? Best Ryan story? Uh, I'll tell you a funny one. Probably nothing to do with football, nothing like off the field, but so we was in my apartment one day. I had just moved in my first apartment. I got out here and he's helping me move in and I had bought a, a big trash can and I had bought some trash bag. It didn't fit in the trash can. And he looked at me all weird. I'm like, bro, what's up? Like, what are you looking at? He was like, bro, I think you need a new trash can. Like, rather than getting like new trash bags, he wanted me to buy a whole new trash can. Like, the, oh, you know wow. what I mean? Like, he just, um, <laughs> that's the way he is. He's, yeah, he's crazy. Uh, I can't, t I can't tell you everything. <laughs> uh, he, he's just a good dude to be around. Real good, real good guy to be around. Yeah. I'm happy that you that you found a home here, man, and that yeah. things have worked out. It seems like. You've really changed the program in a lot of ways. Yeah. Does Coach Diaz ever tell you thanks for coming? Do you ever talk about that stuff with you? Like, hey man, thanks for. He, I mean, he, he tells me it every now and then. You know, we yeah. talking about it. Um, but I'm I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful that he even wanted me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think this team changed me more than I changed the team. If that makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. I learned. How would you say it's changed you more? Man, just being around like new. So I'm from Texas. I'm from Houston. I've been in Houston my whole life. Played at right. U of H. Right. And coming out here was totally different for me. Like the guys, the culture, everything was different. And, you know, I kind of found myself within, like, being away from home for the first time. I kind of found myself through this whole process, like, really figured out who I was, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. and I've been through so much. I, I guess it's, you know, it comes from, like, everything I've been through as well. Like, you kind of got to dig deep and, like, really find yourself and, like, stay true to who you are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this thing, they took me in, like, a family like, since day one. It wasn't anything. I, I didn't have to come here and prove myself to everybody. Like, I, I'm so macho. They just kind of took me in and they made it easy for me. So I, I appreciate them for that. How's mom doing? She's good. She's, um, I just I, I just got back last night. So I was oh, in Houston. Oh, you were there in Houston? Yeah, I was in Houston for the weekend. Um, she's good. Same old, same old. She just started back working, so she's excited about that. That's great. Yeah. The gas line, right? Yeah, shell pipeline. Yeah, she has yeah. talked to me about that before. Yeah. Your brother, how's he doing? He's doing good. Same yeah. old. He, he's finna get a new house. Um, but he's, he's kind of in the middle of moving, but he's good. Same old. Yeah. Are they coming to any games or what? They come to every game. They're coming to all of them? They okay. never missed a game my whole life. That's great. So little league, middle school, all the away games they missed. Even last year too? Even last year, every game. Wow. Every game. Uh, even with mom's like, you know. Fighting. Every game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah thank you. Wow. Every single game. See you. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> See you later. Right, it's crazy because like, when I came on my official business, my business in Miami, she had chemo that morning and we had flew up that night. And she was like, so chemo how it works, like, it takes probably like 24 hours to like really get you, like make you feel sick. So she flew down and ignored she was gonna get sick. Yeah. And um, she was good like, the first day, then the second day, we was at a restaurant, we was at Rusty Pelican. Yeah. And she just got super, super sick. We had to leave early, but like she's a, a great mom. Like she came down here even knowing, like she knew she was gonna get super sick from chemotherapy, but she's good. She's good now. She made it through. Yeah, she made it through. So we had to leave early, but she made it through. Give me the Dierra King Miami hotspots. Favorite, favorite spots to eat, favorite spots to hang out with friends. What do you got? Okay, favorite spot to eat is probably American Social. Okay. I like that place. Any reason? They got good, certain foods or drinks? They got good burgers. Good burgers. I love burgers. Okay. Um, favorite place to hang out Friday night probably be the Wharf. Okay. I like the Wharf. Um, and then any other spot, like any club out here, it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, yeah. Whenever I do decide to go out, I'll go to like, you know, Live or 
it's a place like that, 11, somewhere yeah. like that. How do they treat you when you go out? Everybody's, hey, they, they recognize you right away? Yeah, they treat me good. Um, yeah. You know, a bunch of us get recognized. Like, we all go together, so um, yeah. they pretty. They recognize us right away. Yeah. yeah so that, what's your favorite part of living in Miami? Favorite part? Um, it's a fast city, so I like how, like, first of all, they love to, like, they love the Miami Hurricanes. You know what I mean? Like, they love us to death, whether... No, if we lose, it's bad. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, if we lose, it's bad. But like, if you're doing good, you know what I'm saying? Like, they support you like no other place I've seen. And I'm from Houston. Right. And I got a lot of support in Houston, but I hear it's totally different. Like, yeah. Um, they love this show, right? Yeah, they, they love this show. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. You ready to yeah. go August 6th? You ready for that first one? Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. What are the guys saying? Is there anything special you guys are doing beforehand? Like, something to, to get together before the first practice? I know, I know me and Alami go out to eat. Um, okay. A bunch of us, like the leadership council, we all go out to eat Tuesday with. Plus, Philly's taking us out to eat. Um, probably, do, probably just hang out, probably relax, right for a camp. You know, probably go to the beach or something. You know, camp, shit, that shit, it's a grind. It's so intense. It's a grind. Yeah. So, probably just hang out, relax. Yeah. yeah. What are you looking forward to most? Just being in the huddle? What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so, I miss a whole spring. I'm looking forward to that going, like, that first, like, team session in practice. Like, yeah. ones on ones in practice, like, going at it. I miss that so much. Yeah. Um, I can't wait. What's the funniest thing a teammate has said to you since you come back? Uh, <laughs> Anything at all, they're all been cool with you. Anybody jab? Who's, who's the guy who gives you the most shit? I'm looking forward to going against a new guy. Tyreek Stevenson, he's been talking a lot of mess. I ain't practicing in the spring. Okay. He's been talking a lot of mess. I ain't practicing in the spring. Uh, so I'm looking forward to going against him. I'm going to pick on him. You are? I'm going to pick on him all spring. I'm going to throw his way all spring. <laughs> he talked too, talk too much right now. He does. Yeah. That's he's like, a good guy, though. A good guy. Yeah. 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 Anybody else? Nobody else talking to a lot of trash? None of the returning guys? Nah, Bubba don't try you? Oh, Bubba tried me. Bubba okay. talk a lot of trash. I'm not worried about Bubba. I killed him last summer. Um, <laughs> nah, it's been cool though. It's been, it's been good. I but, talked to a lot of other guys at the ACC in Charlotte last week. Yeah. Asked them about you. Yeah. And there's so much respect that they got for you, man. Like, yeah. I think even the, the Louisville quarterback was telling me. Malik. Like, yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, I know you guys signed him as part of the... But he was like, you know, what I admire about... Eric is the fact that it's not just his coach who talks good about him, but his yeah. teammates. Yeah. And I think you're setting an example for other guys. Mm -hmm. Do you ever do it all mentor other quarterbacks like around the conference or other guys? Do you ever like give them advice or guys reach out to you? I, I mean, I talk to a bunch of guys. You know, me and Sam Ball, cool. We talk a lot. Um, Jeff Sims. Um, I kind of, I kind of, if if anybody I mentor is probably Jeff Sims, Georgia Tech quarterback. Yeah. Um, I've been knowing him since he was in high school. So when he went through the Elite 11, I was the the camp counselor, and right. I had him as a group, and me and him, like, kind of connected ever since then, we've been cool. Right. Um, and Malik's a great guy. Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, we kind of, I see all those guys that, you know, Peyton Manning camp that I just went to, I yeah. was all there. Yeah. Um, Quincy Avery camp, Steve Carson, I see, I see a bunch of guys all throughout the summer. Um, yeah. We got, a, we got a pretty good relationship. Okay, so that was my conversation with De'Ara King on Monday. Here is my interview with punter Lou Headley. Uh, hope you enjoy it, and uh, when it's over, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Wide Right, and we will be back next week with a new show. So I, I guess, first of all, what made you want to come with your teammates, man? Um, I told me when I was four, so I'm always down to help out with the Miami community, especially these kids here. They're having a blast, so yeah. me coming up and showing my face here helps it out, then it's fine. Like, I had no idea, NIL, since you're an international student, you can't cash in on anything. Yeah, due to my visa, I'm not allowed to make money. Um, but that's all right, you know, I've got plenty of opportunities after college football's up, so yeah, I'm down to help out all the boys, whatever they've got going on, and you know, I don't need to make money to have fun doing all this stuff, so it's, it's good. And, and you do a lot of community events. I've seen you go out with the team a couple of times. What, what are some of the other things you've done? Yeah, I think uh, this this uh, year, this summer, 
as a whole football team we've done great things in the community i think we're number one or two in the whole nation for community hours so it's good to get out there and you know i love to be a part of it what are some of the ones that stand out to you things you guys have done um i think i love the uh the other day we went um, on kayaking we cleaned up the beaches of miami through virginia keys so that was good fun um, other things we've done a, the ghost riders i think football clinic there so we helped out a little younger kids play football and just yeah, develop their skills it's good now obviously uh football's just around the corner i wanted to ask you about that uh you had a great year last year as a team i think you guys were number one net punting right as a, as a team oh uh, yes sir so that's the goal i think the most important start when punting i feel is net so we come out and do similar things as last year i think we won't have anything to worry about and you know props to the whole punt team you know play and the boys that run down there for me every game uh, make it real easy I'm curious, last night you were such ranked so high nationally funny. Did you think about the NFL at all and making the jump and what made you want to come back? Um, I think I really wanted to graduate here. That was one of my goals coming here. I wanted to graduate college, so it's kind of a no-brainer. I just wanted to come back. I recently graduated uh, at the end of uh, the spring, so yeah, I'm just really enjoying my time here. You know, the league's not going anywhere. And I'm 28, but um, you know, going into the league, you can be you can be half old and be a kicker. So yeah. whatever's next after college football, I'm excited for it. So just can't wait. Yeah, I would imagine a lot of guys who had a good as good a year as you would say, "Forget it, I'm going pro." Did your teammates have anything to say with it? Like, did they try to convince you, or did they? Oh uh, no, there's no convincing. I think yeah. um, I told the coaches prior to that season I'll stay for three years. Okay. Um, so I didn't want to play any games, and I, you know, I'm straight to the point. I'm here to play football and get a degree. And, I'm looking forward to my uh, third year here. What did you uh, do, major in? What did you, what Sports did you administration do? and uh, sociology. So Anything you want to do with that as a maybe post-football career? I think post-football, I'd love to stay in athletics, uh, whether it's football recruiting or you know, develop as a special teams uh, coach somewhere down the line. But yeah. for now, just um, enjoying football and see where it takes me after. Yeah. Tell me about this team. It seems like they've really rallied around De'Eric, you know, and, and it seems like so many guys want to stay, wanted to come back and stick together. I think, yeah, he's a great a great dude. Um, he, he's really got a relationship with everyone on the team. Everybody loves him. So yeah. I think the fact the whole team wants to rally behind him and stay with him for this senior year is, you know, it makes sense. I think he's got a respect. He's got the respect of the whole team and staff. So I think, uh, you know, him staying, a lot of other boys staying is huge. And I think we're in for a good year. Uh, Clay came back. So you got the same long snapper. You're going to still be holding, right, on, on the kicks? Oh, yes, sir. So I'll be I'll be holding and I'll have Clay out there, which is, you know, we're coming into our third year together. So, yeah. you know, we're as comfortable as ever. We're roommates. We punt and snap together every single session. So, I mean, it's just like uh, bread and butter now. We go out there and it's easy. Obviously, you guys had Jose last year who won the award. But now you get his brother. How's little little brother doing? <laughs> uh, based off his uh, spring, he's really good. Yeah. You know, um, he seemed to handle the pressure really well. And in, in all the spring games, he didn't disappoint, so he's living up to his brother's name this far. But you know, there's a lot to do, um, and I think I, did, I think he's going to be a great college bo- uh, uh, kicker in college football. It'll be good. What's with the mustache? I saw he's got the new mustache going. The Twitter account with his own mustache, like the mustache. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. He's freshman, man. Uh, he just wants to look older, I think. But uh, he's doing a great job, and I love him. What's been the coolest part about being a Hurricane the last two years for you? Well, I think just experiencing it and networking. I think the people around around the football facilities are great. Um, the people we meet, not just in football, but in the academic side of things. And, yeah, I think I've met a, a lot of beautiful people. And, you know, just like I said, it's not all about football. It's the things you do outside of football. And I think stuff like this event now is just, you know, meeting, networking. It's, it's good to get out there. And I think 
just living in Miami in general is great. You know, you can't go wrong. It's summer every day here, and you know, I think it beats anywhere else in America. And I, you know, I love this place. Have you been back home to Australia at all? Uh, no, I was meant to go home after the season, but COVID restrictions make it really hard with the, uh, you know, with the two weeks quarantine and all that nonsense. You have to uh, sort of go back there. It's just too much with. Uh, you know, we don't get that much time off with college football, so it's just too much of a, uh, yeah, you know, too much time to go back. How long has it been? When was the last time you were there? I've got two and a half years. Two and a half years away from home? Yeah. Have you missed it? Yeah, for sure. It's been tough, but um, my family were actually supposed to come over for the season last year, but uh, COVID kind of put a hold on that also. So yeah. just waiting for the COVID restrictions to ease up a little bit and yeah. for it to be safe to go home, and I'll probably head back. As a father, what's it been like, you know, dealing with COVID and your son, you told me he's three now, just yep. how, how that's kind of been going, being a player. I mean, it's good. I mean, yeah. look, I haven't been home to Australia, but, you know, my son's in Philadelphia, so I'm close to him here in America, so get to see him. I call him every day, and, you know, I'm, I'm a lot closer here in America to my boy than I am back home, so, yeah. you know, I'm obviously after college, it'll be a lot easier for me to sort of um, see him a lot more, but right now I just need to focus on, you know, my education and college football, and then, you know, after that, his life's gonna be pretty good. I had asked you, I think when you first got to Miami, you said, I'm gonna probably get a Miami tattoo at some point, and I don't know that we ever got a chance to see it, but I saw the other day, they did a whole story on the Miami website about the tattoo. What'd you end up doing? Uh, so I got a little U on, my, on the back of my neck, so. Oh, okay. I had to get something, so I had to get something before <laughs> I left this place, so I decided to get a U on the back of my neck. Is it the standard one, like kind of just looks like all the others? Yeah, yeah, just the, just the regular logo, it's good. Okay. Were you torn, or are you always just gonna make it simple? Um, I think I was just gonna keep it simple. There's a little gap in the back of my neck that needed a spot. It's, it's probably the only spot, you know, the cameras can see it when I'm playing football, so it's a, a fitting nice look. Obviously, there's so many great former Hurricanes. Any cool relationship you formed with some of those guys now that you're part of the family? And I don't know if The Rock ever ended up reaching out to you. Did you end up talking? Uh, yeah, no. So I haven't, I haven't spoken to The Rock apart from that tweet. But um, I speak to Pat O'Donnell. Um, you know, if I've got questions about punting, he's always happy to help me. I mean, he's a great dude to go off. Um, he's, you know, he had a great college career. And, you know, he's gone into the league and done great things. At a place that's not the easiest to punt at at Chicago. He's a, he's a great dude to learn from. So I'm always going to be picking his brains about punting and questions like that. And he's always down and get back to me. It's cool. We've had so many former Hurricanes end up going to the pros on, for special teams and make it. I mean, Badgley yeah. and, you know, you mentioned O'Donnell, guys that were like, you know, at the top of their game. They kind of feel like, man, Miami's the place to go for that. Yeah, I think as a specialist, um, I think Miami's a great spot. You know, Hard Rock's a beautiful place to kick. Um, and I think uh, the good thing about uh, Miami is, like, say, Coach Diaz is really, um, you know, his emphasis on special teams is a lot. He loves special teams, and he, puts, he has a lot of respect for us guys that goes out there, and it shows, you know, everyone goes out there and plays hard on special teams, and that helps the partner, the kicker, and everyone else out. And I think, you know, if you want to... If you want to go to the NFL, um, Miami is definitely a spot to come to. I got to write an essay on why I'm excited that college football is coming back. And I'm asking all the players and different people their reasons why you're excited. And for me, I was going to write about the people, you know, that we, we weren't able to see during the pandemic. That, you know, maybe you didn't know their names, but there were that, that security guard or that guy who drove the bus. Is there a guy like that for you, somebody that, you know, from the games that you... Maybe somebody, you know, that works at the stadium or... Maybe somebody at UM that you have a relationship with. Um, I just think it's overall in general, just, yeah. um, you know, like we miss out on Kane's walk and a lot of fans, 
you know, love that interaction with us coming into the stadium. So I think just the community of Miami get to see us again coming into the stadium and hopefully filling up the stadium a lot more this year. So I just think as a whole, it's uh, you know it's going to be a great energy in there this year. Now we've had a year off having a full capacity in there. So I think I think everyone's just looking forward to the energy of you know that Miami fans bring and you know the momentum it brings into a game. The coach DSA, you guys are going to do the cane walk again. You... I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm, I'd, I'd say we're probably doing the cane walk. So in, uh, I'm not 100%, but hopefully, hopefully. As a, as a player, that's great, yeah. Yeah, what do you get out of it? Just seeing the faces, the excitement? Yeah, I think just going there, you got the, you got the band playing and the dancers. I think it's just cool. A cool little, uh, you know, experience and tradition going into the stadium before a game really gets you hyped as a, as a Miami Hurricane going in there. It's good. Did you end up getting vaccinated? Coach Diaz talked to us at, at the ACC in Charlotte about that, how you guys are trying to get to that 85% threshold. And some of the guys were, like, scared of getting the shot. How did you feel about it? I mean, I got the vaccine, no problem. I think, you know, I can't wait to, for me, it's going back to normal. Um, you know, the closest thing back to normal before COVID happened, uh, you know, I'm down and do it. So yeah. over this year, we see a little bit more humanity yeah. uh, within college football, and that's, you know, within the facilities as too. But yeah. I think, yeah, super excited just for this season upcoming, and it should be good. Did you do anything different as far as your training for next season? Or uh, no, sir. So same old. Exactly. I had, a, I had a pretty good year last year, so yeah. I didn't change too much of it. So yeah. obviously, as a as a kicker or a punter, or a specialist, you can never you, you never reach your pinnacle where you want to be. You're always improving. So for me, I just try and improve every single day. You know, one percent better because the next level is definitely hard. So you know, I'm just trying to prepare myself for you know play on Sundays. I promise this is the last question. I know you no want to get back there. Just uh, what's the coolest Miami moment? Living in Miami, maybe something. A, mo a moment, a memory, something that sticks out that you'll always take with um, The best memory for me, to be honest, would have to be seeing Derek run um, when we're doing 50, 50 yard sprints. I've seen Derek run for the first time after his ACL. Was, uh, yeah. yeah, that was probably the, the best feeling I've ever had as a Miami Hurricane, just watching him run around Why? after just you know after seeing the yeah. brutal injury to his knee. So seeing him run around and you know doing what he does best is it's awesome. So that's the best thing for me. That was after spring football, right? When you guys were just training with yeah, yeah, yeah. Healy and stuff? Yeah. Did everybody clap? What was that moment like? Yeah, I think everyone knew the importance of it. So seeing him run around and he works so hard, so seeing it all pay off, um, you know, it's fantastic. He's, he's the best dude ever and a great leader for our hard game. 305, 954, 568. This is the state of Miami.